Welcome to episode 107 of the Doss and D Show, and today we are joined by the great Cooper Chapman. Cooper is a pro surfer with a mission. He is inspiring people in the way they view and take care of their mental health through his podcast and business, The Good Human Factory, where he runs wellbeing workshops for students, sports clubs, and corporate groups. Cooper shares his story so far, but our conversation goes down many different paths. We hear about his latest self-challenge where he's taken on sobriety for an entire year. He shares with us what it's like living a very social life full of big parties and events and staying sober during them. Cooper told some unbelievable stories about networking and the amazing opportunities that have presented themselves just by opening up a new conversation. One in particular will blow your mind. We dive into what his unique perspective on mental health and what he teaches at his workshops. Yes, he touches on mental illness such as anxiety and depression, but it goes much deeper into strengthening your mind into the powerful tool it can be. And of course, why practicing gratitude is so good for you and some daily tips to live a happier, healthier life. It's no wonder Cooper and the Good Human Factory are absolutely crushing it right now and you'll love this episode. So sit back and enjoy our chat with the awesome Cooper Chapman. Welcome to the Doss and D Show. Smashing societal pressure and unlocking your secret ambition. Now Doss, are you ready for our next interview? Deep. I'm ready. Now let's go balls deep. Well, D, our guest is actually flying in from interstate today. Unbelievable. First time ever, Doss. How are you feeling about I'm, it? Uh, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. <laughs> Bit of pressure? It's funny, Cooper. We say excited every bloody week. We go, how are you feeling today, Doss? How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm excited. Cooper Chapman, welcome to the Doss and D Show. Thanks for having me, boys. Like you said, straight off the plane this morning, early flight from the Gold Coast. Got my hire car and drove straight here. You guys had a coffee ready for me and here we go. Mate, we're just wrapped to have you. We've been speaking <laughs> to you for a while. I'm actually just interested, like just straight off the top, your life now, like What's that feeling like that you're flying interstate for work on the back of what you've created? I mean, it's pretty special, to be honest. Mm. I've been lucky to travel the world a lot with my previous... Well, not my previous career. I'm still a professional surfer, but I've traveled a lot for that kind of reason Mm. and always traveled with surfboards and that's been my life ever since I can remember. I'm 28 years old now and for the last 15 years I've traveled the world surfing and then, yeah, transitioning into the career I'm in now in mental health as a speaker and as yeah a podcaster and whatnot it's kind of nice and it's kind of refreshing knowing that i've created the next part of my life still with the same amount of freedom yeah i see so many people with lives that are quite trapped in the kind of nine to five and whatnot and it's been something that's been a big fear of mine to Mm. get sort of sucked into that way of living but i have seen so many other ways of living through the great opportunities i've had traveling surfing that i was like I've got to find something that I can still keep the freedom of traveling, seeing my friends all around the world. And yeah, it's really nice to be in that space right now. Well, you're doing some, let's say, elite work uh, <laughs> with uh, the Good Humans podcast. Can you explain that a little bit? So you've, you're doing a few things, but that, that at the moment is, is taking up a lot of your time too. Yeah, so Good Humans podcast is my little baby that's been around for a couple of years now, but it's had a few different stages and transitions. I run a mental health organization, the Good Human Factory, and... I realized that I've had so much of my knowledge come from listening to other people's conversations and hearing people's stories and just having an open mind when I hear people's stories. And from that stemmed this idea where I'd been running the mental health workshops and I was like, how can I kind of get a bit more reach than just a classroom of students? And I also knew that I had such a deep network of people from my sporting career to my network through my sister and her husband, through the music industry, plus through surfing, I've met so many other incredible athletes and talented people in a whole range of industries that 
I was like, I may as well, not I may as well, like I'd love to be able to sit down and have great conversations with people and me learn from them. And if I record it and somebody else can learn from it too, amazing. And that, yeah, so that started like just over two years ago now, I was signed with Podcast One, which is now Listener, Yeah, which was a really great opportunity. I'd started the Good Human Factor. I brought on a kid as a intern or just as a bit of a little advisor. He was like in uni and wanted to help out where he could. And we just had a chat and he's like, oh, I think I can maybe help with the podcast idea. I'm good family friends with blah, 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 who's the CEO of Southern Cross Osteria, which owns Podcast One yep. and they do a lot of media stuff with Channel 7, 10, 9. So we went and had a meeting with him and had a chat and I told him the idea. I was like, I've got a great network from being able to speak to my sister, Fisher, pro surfers, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to do a podcast as well. And he's like, oh, it's your lucky day. We actually run Podcast One. We'll get you a meeting with them. So I got very lucky and got my foot straight in the door with podcasting and had a producer from the get-go and which was great to learn the skills and get the direction of how to storytell quite well and ask the right questions mm. and learn the ins and outs of it. But the thing is, I didn't learn the back end. I didn't learn how to upload. I didn't learn how to edit, how to do anything. A year went by with them. And I think I got 20 episodes out with them. And I wanted to build the frequency to more than once a fortnight. And they couldn't facilitate that. And it was very amicable. They were like happy to let me go. And so I went out on my own and actually signed... Well, was doing some stuff with some guys down here in Melbourne who run a podcast called Funny Business and they were giving me a bit of help and they were looking at doing a thing called the Wellbeing Network and building a bit of a podcast platform. So they helped me change a bit of direction, build to free, to um, weekly guest episodes and then we also added the 1% podcast which is um, my second episode I put out each week which is a short form one talking about the community of people I've built in the 1% Good Club which I'm sure we'll talk about as the podcast yeah. goes on. So I brought that podcast under my banner and then I've just recently started stopped drinking alcohol. So I've brought in another episode on a Monday where I speak just for five to 10 minutes about my journey into stopping drinking alcohol. And it's been interesting. The guest episodes have now become my least listened to episode, which I thought would never happen. Mm, yeah. But people are just really interested in the journey that I'm on with my sobriety, with the community of people giving a percentage of their day to their mental health through gratitude and meditation. So yeah, that's kind of the story of the podcast. But yeah. I just love having great conversations with people. Yeah. I learn so much and it's really cool to know that other people can learn by me hitting that record yeah. button. I think that's like a good sign that the podcast has really taken off when people tune in to listen to you interviewing other people rather than the interviewee, like mm. listening to their story. They actually want to hear how you interact with them, the questions you ask. They're a fan of what you do. I'm actually interested in the sobriety. Like, tell us about how long that's been going and how you're feeling so far and what you've learned from it. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, so I had a beautiful lady by the name of Nicole Vignola on my podcast. I think she was episode 44. So about three or four months ago now, and she's a neuroscientist. And we had an amazing conversation about so many different things and how they affect the brain. And one thing that came up was alcohol. And I just kind of had a bit of moment of reflection and like I just I was coming up to my 28th birthday and I was mm. like I've probably consumed and partied as much as anyone else my age I've traveled the world I've experienced it all but I was also like I've never taken more than maybe a couple of weeks off drinking and I was mm. like you know what I'm like trying to build this reputation as this person who can lead from the front and inspire people to make positive changes in their life and I was like you know what I might take a year off and just see what changes in my life and yeah. document the journey and then hopefully inspire people to come along the way. And I get messages every single day now that people tell me their sobriety journey and tell me how much what I've been doing has inspired them to start. Mm. So that's kind of the reason why I do a lot of my stuff is to inspire others. But the reason why I document it 
and share it is because it keeps myself accountable. If yeah. I wasn't documenting it and I wasn't telling people about it, then I probably would like last week, a few days ago, I was down in Byron for Splendor the night before the festival started and I was just around every sort of alcohol you could think of <laughs> yeah. all for free. Like I'm very networked and lucky that I've got access to great parties and I mean, a part owner of an alcohol company, like <laughs> there's alcohol everywhere and we all know that our life is kind of surrounded by it culturally here in Australia. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to try and do something different and yeah. take a year off. So I'm like 13 weeks in right now. So just over three months and it's been great. I can't begin to tell you the acceleration my business growth has had. I don't know if it's directly in line with that, but ever since stopping drinking alcohol, I've had just so many incredible opportunities come my way and I just feel like I've been in a really good flow in my life. And yeah. I think it comes back to having just those extra couple days a week without hangovers and also mm. that mind clarity of not the anxiety after being hung over, the anxiety of looking at your bank account, how much money did I spend on piss <laughs> yeah, last night? So like, I think eliminating that has just opened up a lot of opportunities and it just feels good to like inspire other people to make some healthy choices too. Yeah. You say you're really well networked. What, what's a... Do you have a story or, or a bit, even a bit of advice around, like, for us, networking is huge. Mm. And you know, podcasting, it's it's the key, really, mm. if you want to do well in any industry. But how come it's so important for you? You've mentioned it a couple of times. I just think the relationships we build with people is what life's all about, whether it be for personal growth or whether it be for business growth. I think when you can start building relationships with just everybody you meet and being curious and open to hearing different sides of thinking and different ways of seeing things, it's just like the best way to grow. Like if you want to go first, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So the more that you can have, the more people you can have around you that can lift you up and that can take you places, it's just so important. And for me, networking is just, yeah, being open-minded, having conversations with random people and hearing their story. Like I'll give you a great example with my workshops, I'm trying to like mold from being like an interactive workshop to having a sidearm that's more of a keynote, a bit more of a corporate thing. And I recently did a workshop and Mark Matthews, who's a pro big wave surfer, he has a really good um, keynote called Fighting Fear. And he was talking to me and he kind of gave me some tips after seeing mine and was like, man, like you're really good. Like there's, you're incredible at what you do, but there's a few tweaks that you could make so easily. And if you got like a keynote coach, I, I can promise you it'll help you out a lot. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but it's pretty expensive. So anyway, I've been kind of manifesting. I need to like get to a point where I can afford a like a, a keynote coach and improve my speaking. So how this works with networking. So I'm, I take a day off work last week because I had a massage that my sisters got me. So I was like, I'll go do my massage and just have a day of like working from home. So I get to the massage place and I'm in all white. I have like new merch with the Good Human Factory and it's all white trackies. And I run into this guy just by chance when I'm waiting to get yeah, to go into the massage room. And the guy's like, oh, man, I love your get up. And he's in all white as well, like guy in his 50s or something. Really nice guy. And we just have a quick chat. And he's like, oh, gratitude. It said gratitude on my hoodie. And he was like, I love that. And, he's, and I was like, oh, I actually made it myself. He's like, oh, no way. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have a mental health organization. He's like, oh, crazy. Like my friend outside actually used to be the CEO of Black Dog Institute. Like mental health is pretty important to me as well. He's like, I'm actually going to Melbourne next week because a friend of mine took his life like mental health is super important to me i feel like we've been connected for a reason here and he's like i love your merch like i used to actually do creative direction for nike and a few big brands like do you want to like grab my number maybe we can catch up and i can help you i just feel like we've been put together for a reason i was like yeah why not yeah 
I get his number and first he sends me a message and he's like, watch this and you'll get an idea of who I am. And he sends me a video of his TED Talk and he's got a TED Talk yeah. about going through adversity and he's just like one of the best storytellers I've ever this seen. Is, this is incredible. Isn't this a crazy story? Like, so one of the best storytellers I've ever seen and I sent him a video of me on the news recently sharing what I do with the Good Human Factory so he knows what I'm like. And he's like, mate, we've been put together for a reason. Let's grab a coffee. We catch up for a coffee a few days ago and... He just talked for like an hour, told me some of the most inspiring and incredible stories. But as I told him my story, he would just keep giving me little nuggets and be like, I can just see your workshop being around riding the wave of life to tie a And I was like, oh, I haven't even thought of that. That's a great one. And he just kept giving me these nuggets. And he was like, man, would you be open to – he's like, I'm pretty successful. I own like a few houses in here in America. Like I don't want anything from you. If you're up for it, would you want to come to my house one day when I get back from this funeral this week? I've got to fly to Melbourne, but next week or when you're free – come over and we'll get a whiteboard out and I'll just help you write a really good keynote because I can see so much potential in wow. you. And that was just from networking. Nice. Like, yeah. Isn't that a crazy story? So I'm going to catch up with this guy next week and he's going to help me write my keynote, which I'm stressing about having to go and pay someone. And I've never met someone who can tell a story like this guy. And he's like, yeah, let's, I'll help you out. And then who knows where it could go. We kind of spitboard a few ideas of things that I wanted to do with merch and a few ideas. And he gave me a few ideas and he's like, maybe we can go into business and do something cool. Like we'll chat next time. So that was just from awesome. me being open, having a conversation with some guy that said, nice jumper. So it's it, like, it it's like, sounds a little bit like, and I've been reading about it lately in Hugh Van Kallenberg's recent book about ego, for example. Mm. And I always thought, oh, I don't have an ego. And, you know, <laughs> I never thought of it like that, like that way until I kind of explored it more. And it's for me being more open to suggestions from other people, mm. because you could take it as criticism when people say, hey, you could do this better or this, or have you considered this? But for me, that's a big part of networking too, is just being open-minded to, other people's perspectives and mm. saying, okay, look, listen to what the crowd want or what they feel or what this person sees and that could open up these huge opportunities. Oh, it's huge. Like with that, like if you get a couple of years ago, if you told someone tried to give me advice on something, I would almost try and find an excuse for why I did it that way. Yeah. And like I speak about it a bit with my podcast and whatnot, this idea of like criticism can be like constructive or destructive. Mm. But we can take it as a positive either way. So I look at like constructive criticism. If someone's coming to me with advice on how I can be better, I have the humility now that I'm like, epic. This is free information. This yeah. person's literally giving me free information to make my life better. And if it doesn't have merit and if it's kind of from this destructive side and someone trying to bring me down, I just empathize with the person. Mm. I'm like, why are they feeling the need to judge me? Like what's going on in their life that they need to tell me that I'm doing something wrong? And if I have a sure enough understanding of who I am and my self-worth mm. and know that everything I do, I try and give it my best, then if someone criticizes me and it's negative, I'm kind of like, well, I'm just trying my best. So I try not to yeah. take it on anymore. So it's yeah, just the way we view everything is yeah. so important. How have you got to this point? I mean, mental health is such a key part of what you do now. Would be intrigued to know, was there a time where it was really difficult and things weren't going really well and all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe you weren't aware of mental health and, and I guess the effects it has. Was there a time or a moment or I'm sure you've got a story behind all this? Yeah, for sure. So I lost an uncle when I was quite young to suicide. My dad's kind of side of the family has been in and out, like has depression and there's some mental health issues. So I was always very curious and aware that mental health might become an issue in my life. And then throughout my junior surf career, I used to base a lot of my self-worth and my identity on my surfing. And I'm sure almost everyone listening will base a lot of their self-worth around their career or something. So I used to go back to my local beach and everyone would be like, oh, well done in that last surf comp, mate. Like I was Cooper Chapman, the pro surfer. Mm. 
and then that was great throughout my junior career. And then I got to my early 20s and I kind of went from a top junior surfer in Australia to still like ranked in the top 100 surfers in the world in the open division. But because I wasn't going back to my local beach and saying to everyone was like, oh, how'd you go in that last comp? I wasn't winning as much. It felt a bit of shame with that. So that's kind of where this weirdness around identity started in my early 20s. And then I spoke to my sports psych and was like, I'm struggling. Like people are... I feel like everyone's judging me and he's like, I want you to try and base your self-worth and your identity, not on your career and your results, but on your values, how you treat people, how you treat yourself, how you view the world. And that kind of set me on this quest of self-development. And mm. I started listening to a lot of podcasts with different people. I started reading a lot of a lot of books around just self-development and realizing that there is unlimited information out there if you're willing to take responsibility and trial and error stuff. And my 20s has just been it kind of roller coaster of finding things that work finding things that don't that don't work and i'm still so open-minded to changing and every day i find new things that i can improve on but it's just been such a freeing feeling not biting when somebody tries to criticize me not like being open to suggestions because it's it's very hard to grow if you're not open-minded so yeah my 20s has just been this kind of quest of finding things that work for me and if it works for me and it makes me feel better and makes me treat people better, then keep it with me. If it doesn't, throw it out look for the next thing. Mm. So how important is it then when people hear the words mental health to think outside of just anxiety and depression and more of a tool of self-development, like you said? When I think of psychiatry, for example, like to me, I'm like, everybody could go to a psychiatrist or psychologist and speak to them or a counsellor or whatever. And it doesn't mean you necessarily are suffering from depression or anxiety mm. or any of these other issues, but you may just want to better yourself, create a stronger mindset, you know, things around that. So what are your thoughts on like that whole industry? Oh, I think there's a massive need for it. Like being a top level athlete from all of my like late teens and early 20s, I've understood the importance of getting your mind right for competing. But yeah. It's just like if you want to get a strong, mo- like if you want to get a six pack and you go to the gym and don't have a coach and don't have any idea what to do, it makes it very hard. But there's these people who are trained professionals to make your mind stronger, to yeah. give you great solutions. So I think that's important as all hell. But I also think it's really important for one, like you kind of started with there, to realize that mental health is not depression and anxiety mm. that's pretty much mental illness that comes under that category and yeah. one in five australians will be diagnosed with a mental illness so i look at the massive part of the mental health industry is really the mental illness industry which is so important but the angle that i try and take with the good human factory and with the information that i generally try and share and put out is that it's important to empower people and inspire people to develop skills themselves and realize that, hey, unless we're taking responsibility and accountability, nothing's going to change. Like you might go and see a psychologist and have a few big things going on in your life and they say to you, all right, I need you to go home this week and do 10 minutes of meditation every day and five minutes of gratitude every night and you come back to that psychologist and didn't do anything, do you think anything's going to change? Probably not. Yeah. So it's important to realize that it always comes back Mm. to us. And that's what I'm really trying to communicate, that if you're not doing small little daily things, if you don't brush your teeth every day, what's going to happen? You're going to get bad breath and your teeth are going to start rotting and be disgusting. If you don't do little things for your mind on a daily and weekly basis, what do you think is going to happen to your Mm. mind? Mm. So it's about making people aware of that and then just making conscious decisions and actions towards positive mental health. Did you have a a time, so you obviously mentioned earlier, love the parties and the access and living, I guess, the life as a pro athlete. 
Was there a moment where I'm trying to picture, all right, you're out one night, there's probably so much access to drugs and you're watching alcohol just getting thrown down and like, how has that been for your mental health? Like, was, was there a time in, like, was, was it, I find myself, if I drink, I get really anxious. Mm. And I know a lot of other people listening are probably the same. Could you speak on how you felt, I guess, when you were in those experiences with other pro athletes and you're going out and you're doing this kind of stuff? I mean, I, I definitely don't, like, regret anything I've been through. I feel like I've been definitely super loose over the years, but... I think I've just learned a lot of valuable lessons and I think there's a really important part of life is like going out and being around that scene. Not doesn't have to always be fueled by drugs and alcohol, but just the relationships you can build with people once that guard is a little bit down. Like I always say in the podcast, it's almost like having that 2am sitting around a camp, like, you know, and sitting around a yeah. fire off your head chat that that's what podcast basically is, just yeah. open and raw and honest. So I think there is moments definitely in life that it's super important but i just think culturally it's become such a massive part of escaping what reality kind of is so i think there's a place for it but i think i definitely and i'm pretty sure almost every single one of us can agree we probably excessively drink excessively party based on so much science like it blows my mind like how alcohol is so openly like promoted like drink this like yeah and it's quite literally like there's no positive effects of alcohol on our body or our mind, physically. Like you know what I mean? On mm. a science level, when you think about it, they're literally promoting poisoning yourself. Mm. If, <laughs> imagine if there was a thing that was like, take this poison. That's like the marketing that they had to write with alcohol. No one would buy it. I think there's an actual drink now in America that's something like that. It's called some ridiculous name like. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not alcohol, but it is, and it's a really famous drink because of that. Well, I mean, and I'm not like trying to discount. Like, I think there's a big place for it. That's like I'm a part owner of an alcohol company, Gravity Seltzer, but that's why I'm passionate about this kind of seltzer and these low to options that are a bit more, hey, let's go have a good time, but let's not wake up feeling like shit tomorrow. Let's not wake up yeah. with that crazy anxiety. It's like, let's wake up and, yeah, just be a bit more responsible with it and, I mean, I know once I get back drinking next year, I'll still be loose and make some bad <laughs> yeah. decisions. But yeah, I just think there's a time and a place. And for me, I feel like that space between big sends will kind of be a bit more, yeah. a bit more like lengthy now. Yeah. Well, it's also about empathizing too. Like you mentioned earlier, like for, for me, I didn't drink until I was 22. Like I didn't even taste alcohol. And then I went pretty hard for a few years and now I don't drink anymore. But if you kind of need to experience both. So I don't regret like either of them. And I think it's hard to relate to people like, you know, talking about self-development too. Like you hear some self-development people that are just so unrelatable because their whole journey is, I get up at four o'clock in the morning, I do this, do that cold shower into this, you know, I won't eat this and I won't drink that. And it's like nobody can relate to it. Mm. But I think it's good to have an understanding of, both sides to at least understand it so when people are talking to you you can actually empathize with them and take it to a deeper level yeah and that's what i'm finding like with the sober journey like i'm getting so many messages and so often when i'm out at night and i run into someone they're like do you want to drink and i say no like the first response is like oh come on have one yeah but then the second response when you go oh no i'm doing like a year sober just like trying to take care of myself almost everyone like really respects it and yeah. kind of almost is jealous of the strength that yeah. and the courage you can show to take time off because they feel like almost most people go like oh i wish i could do that and i'm like why don't you and it's like oh like i've got this coming up i've got that coming up and it's like yeah but you can still go and do everything just not without the alcohol and it's it's a good test to show how 
true you are to yourself and how confident you are in yourself and 100% so many yeah. of us aren't and I'm like not either like I go out and I'm like oh I just avoid going out some nights now but yeah I have a lot of friends who are big DJs so I go and support people and still get involved in the environment and get that release of having fun but then I can still wake up and do stuff the next day that's a so skill like, though yeah. yeah like to be able to do that sober because so many people say if I'm not I can't talk to people until I'm drunk or until I'm tipsy or whatever. So to have that skill to be able to still connect and meet and talk and mm. yeah, even like meet new people, people find really difficult unless they've been yeah. drinking. So it's a well, and it's crazy. Like going out, it's so funny. I literally like watch other people and see myself. I'm like, oh, that's me. Yeah, like, look at that guy. Like I'm like, that's me. Like most weekends, like. Mm. And like nothing against a person because I'm like that's me like yeah. for the last ten yeah, years yeah, yeah, like yeah. every second weekend no yeah. yeah no judgment just like for one empathy but then also like good insight myself into being like huh okay like that's yeah. how I look like that's how I treat and act around people like I mean nothing against it but there's like improvements that can be made to be a healthier and happier person hundred percent it is kind of that escape like I've even found that with myself and being part of football clubs and. It is this, all right, let's get together. And, and once we have a beer, it's like some sort of camaraderie. Like if, mm. if you're cracking a beer together, we're mates. Yeah. And it, I think it is slowly shifting. I think one of my biggest frustrations is, well, not frustrations, but again with you, empathy is like for myself, I, I struggle to say no. Like mm. my, my FOMO is like <laughs> out of the world, you know, oh. like it's, and I, I personally struggle with that a lot. And I'm sure you've seen it all the time. Did Has that been a struggle yet or not really? Yes and no. Like I said, because I started the podcast and I've been documenting the journey, that's created the accountability. Yeah, That's almost announced to everyone who knows me well enough to follow my socials that I'm doing it. So it's like mm. that kind of expectation's kind of gone a little bit. But I mean, it still sucks when you're down the pub having like dinner with your mates and everyone's nice like, oh, who, who wants yeah. a beer? And it's yeah. like, oh, I'd love a beer. But yeah, yeah it's more so I just like want to make sure that I can do it, want to make sure that alcohol doesn't have a grip on my life that I can't do it. Yeah. And I feel like it's a confronting question to ask yourself. And I'm sure 90% of people listening mm. right now would admit that they'd find it very hard, if not impossible, to take a year off drinking. So I just wanted to like prove myself that I could. Good on you, man. I, I love it. And I think a lot of people, if it's not drinking, they can put, they can substitute that word with something else. Like we're all addicted to something that we could change. Yeah, and, yeah. for me, it's baby steps. Like alcohol is like first step. There's like... I had a, my mum's friend was over last night and she's like, I love that you're doing no alcohol. Like you should yeah. do, I, I've done 90 days, no alcohol, like full juice cleanse the whole time. Like I've got to get you on it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 baby <laughs> steps. Like I'm like, I'm happy and I'm in healthy and I'm yeah. in a good spot in my life. Like I don't need to make all these drastic changes. I just wanted to see how much of a change alcohol made. And yeah, like financially, emotionally, physically, like every part of my life has gotten better since stopping drinking alcohol. So what's your, you mentioned Fisher, what's your connection with him? He married my sister. Oh, okay. So he's your brother-in-law. There you go. Because he got really he got mentioned the other night when we were at the footy. Yeah, he had no idea. <laughs> no, I knew who because I was trying to. We were interviewing people outside the ground, and I think we said who's the sexiest player in the AFL. And they said Fish, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm like Zach Fisher, like who, which fish are you talking <laughs> about? You know the DJ. I'm like, ah, oh, I've got it yeah. now. Yeah. I'm interested to hear Cooper about the business side of your life, being a young entrepreneur under the age of thirty, and like what you've created. And obviously, it's such a positive change, but. Talk to us a little bit about the hustle. Tell us about the lifestyle. Oh, it's um, it's been a journey. It's been fun, but I look at it like I'm literally... So the Good Human Factor, I started probably three years ago now, like 2019. 
my younger sister lost a couple of friends to suicide in like a fortnight at high school, which is like the last thing you want to hear as a brother and mm. as a family sitting around the dinner table when your younger sister in her last year of high school trying to get ready for the high school, like HSC exams, yeah. says, oh, I lost a friend to suicide today. And then two weeks later, another friend. They weren't like close friends, but two guys in your year are gone from this planet. <laughs> like it's confronting stuff to hear. And I was just like, fire it. I want to do something about this. And I've always wanted to... I've always wanted to like have my own business. Like while I lost my major sponsor when I was like 23 surfing and spent three years between like working at a surf school, working full time, doing carpentry and um, landscaping just to afford to go to my next event. So I started the Good Human Factory mid that. So at the start it was like I was working like 60 hours a week doing building work and then I was trying to like train and surf and be ready to compete plus I was doing the good human factory really small on the side Mm. where I'd do like one workshop at a school and I went into it very naive after that dinner table conversation I was like I want to do something about this I've learned so many great skills maybe I can do something about this and inspire some kids to pick up some skills that I know I've learned so then I went and spoke to my old school teacher who was a good friend of mine he's like a careers advisor young teacher and caught up for a beer and he was like man, there's like a big industry in like speaking. Like, I think you do well. Like you've got a crazy niche. Like you're still a young, active professional athlete. The kids might actually listen to you. And I was like, I don't mind public speaking. Like, and it's very easy to public speak when you're talking about something that matters to you. Yeah. I was like, all right, I developed a little workshop and I was very naive and I was like, oh, people will just book me straight away. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll just call them and be like, hey, I'm a pro staff. I want to come talk to the kids about mental health. Here's my fee. And boy, was I very wrong, <laughs> especially when you're like trying to juggle working 50 hours and not having the flexibility with booking so that was kind of the first year just like did a couple schools here and there for free just to like build the skills and then kind of when COVID hit was when everything changed for me Mm. I was went from COVID hitting to meant to travel the world surfing that year to hey you're sidelined from traveling my accountant was like you can get on JobKeeper and get 750 a week for the next couple months if you want or you can be a tradie through it all and he's like but I'd say go do the Good Human Factory full time for a few months and try and build it into a business that's sustainable. And it definitely took more than the three months. But like, as we know, COVID lasted a bit longer <laughs> and I got a few more of those payments. So that allowed me to sort of build a base of the Good Human Factory and mm. keep coming up with different ideas from like at the start, I was doing like mental health tips and reaching out to just people over social media. And then I was doing, that was when the podcast first started and then the workshop started to get a little bit better. I started to get booked a few more times, but it's been a grind. Like if you told me how much work I'd have to do to get to where I am right now at the start, I don't know if I would have, I might've done it still, but just so many ups and downs. And like for two years I've been like, oh my God, I feel like that domino is about to fall, that everything in my life's about to change. And to be honest, it feels like the last, even just couple of weeks is really starting to accelerate and some big opportunities have Mm. come up, which is um, exciting. But it's just been years of like learning, getting stuff wrong. But I look at it like I'm a second year apprentice. I look at it like it took me 15 years to get in the top 100 surfers in the world. If I want to be one of the top public speakers in mental health mm. that inspires people, top podcasts, I've got 13 more years to get to that level. Yeah. So I haven't put this expectation of like, oh, this is where I could be. I'm like, I'm a second year apprentice learning how to like cut the pipe still. Like I've got no idea. And if I get something wrong, I'm so open to it because I feel like it's such a, it's a big learning curve. And that's where having my own business has been nice because I'll come up with an idea and I'll be like, bang, I can go execute. Oh, it didn't work. Sweet. I can adjust. Mm. Whereas if you're working for someone else, it changes that. Yeah. I I think um, that's where so many people who want to start something on the side is it's a very much, oh, someone's doing that. Oh, I could do it. And they give it a go for it. It's it's not a real long-term 
if you're going to win, the long game is always the oh, plan, you know? Exactly. It's just consistency. And that's what I'm learning. Yeah. Like, showing up and consistency is everything. Like, and you guys would know with podcasting, there's a lot of people who've got huge profiles that start a podcast, but there's something like 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode seven. Yeah. So it's like, how much work are you willing to put in before you actually, like, I just got my first sort of podcast sponsors and I'm on, like, guest episode 57 and... I think I've done like an extra like 40 of my bonusy sort of episodes, the 1% episode and the 28 and sober. So it's like it's taken me 100 episodes mm. of editing, distributing, <laughs> recording, getting guests, like hundreds of hours of work before I'd even made a dime. So it's like how willing are you to put in the work? And for me, it's very lucky because all my work is helping people. It's all around yeah. motivating and educating and inspiring people to make better decisions for their mental health. So that's a nice cushy like even if i'm not getting paid for it i'm helping people sweet and now it's getting to the point where mental health speakers are in quite high demand my workshops i've delivered to over like ten thousand students in the past 12 months now that i'm doing it full time and spoken to hundreds of corporates and the data and testimonials that what i'm doing is really helping people so yeah it's been a crazy growth the last 12 months but yeah, lots, lots to come there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're on almost an identical path too. We've just ticked over 100 episodes and now we're seeing that change as well where there's some kind of financial remuneration which we didn't see for the first 100 episodes and nor did we expect. That's not no, why we, we didn't started. for it. Yeah. No, but now it's like we just love what we do. Outside of work, so in terms of like we find and we've had conversations where we really struggle to have time for the things that were in our life prior. So mm. I'm even struggling, like football's been the love of my life, yeah. my whole life. And even now, like I struggle to make it to training because there's work to be done or I'm just so exhausted from everything we're doing. And like, I know we both struggled to keep up with like our mates from yeah, that's a good one, mates. high school mm. and like things, you know, and even relationships and even family relationships. Like it's really hard to keep everything ticking. Mm. Like how do you go about it when like business and podcasting and all this is your life? I've been very strategic in the way that, for one, I'm very like lucky, to be honest, that all of my best friends or like a good portion of my best friends are top-level athletes in different sports. So like Harley Clifford's like eight-time world champion wakeboarder, like yeah. one of my best mates. Like yesterday we went out on the jet ski all morning, like done that three times this week. And then... i got to like, say, we need to move up to the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah the Gold so. Coast is rare. Since I moved to the Gold Coast, I only met all these people in the last two years and now they're all like family to me. Where are you originally from? Uh, Sydney. Sydney. So what I've done with the Good Human Factory is like, I understand my reach is only so much, but I also understand that as top level athletes, we want to give back. We want to have a platform to talk about stuff like mental health, but it can be very forced sometimes. Like I used to be an ambassador for Lifeline and I've done stuff with other big charities and when it's a big organization, I feel like you kind of get lost and the messaging does seem very mm. like diluted that you're getting paid to do it, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, with the Good Human Factor, I want to give all my friends who are top-level athletes a platform to be an ambassador. And like my ambassadors don't have any requirements other than just if someone says, oh, what's that good smiley face on your board? It means, oh, I just take care of my mental health. And that's sometimes enough for other people to go like, oh, wow, this guy's taking care of his mental health. So that's why my like little logo I'm so proud of because it's just like I wanted to be like a symbol. Mm. it's like hey i take care of my mental health so where this was going where how do i balance everything all my ambassadors are like my best mates yeah. so i can kind of get away in my own head with like oh i'll just go hang out with harley for the day and get a bit of content and that's good human factory work because yeah i'm yeah, like yeah. filming one of my yeah. ambassadors doing stuff and then yeah let's so, go out for lunch and i'll claim it yeah. exactly <laughs> so i've balanced like a lot of that really well but i also do have a great group of friends 
we're all so supportive of each other chasing massive goals that we get to cross over so much. So like mm. right now I'm in Melbourne and I'll go stay with my friend Benny who we speak. We have like a group chat with like 15 of our mates that are from all around the country that are just experts in all different fields and it works really well together we keep in touch all the time over a group chat but then like oh i'm in melbourne i'm gonna go stay at benny's for a couple days and then oh i'm in sydney i'll go stay with my friend ned who's like a photographer for a big fashion label and then i'll go to byron with alex hayes my best mate because he's like oh red bull have got us a thing for splendor come like they said you can stay with me too so i've like built my life around alex as an ambassador so i can kind of go and feel like yeah i've just built my life around and then with surfing as well like if i want to chase waves and stuff that's still part of my life too like i'm still getting mm. i'm still sponsored by like my board brand that pays me money so i'm still a pro surfer so i can kind of work my lifestyle around being to spend time with my friends which i'm very grateful for and like it's been very strategically built around being able to do what i want when i want yeah <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah like i work in an office with some other guys who help me with my merch and whatnot and like i'll work and get all my emails done and whatever i need to like speak to a bunch of different schools and clients and then it'll be like 11 and harley will be like dude you want to go rock climbing and then come wakeboarding and i'll be like yes do it let's go so it's like i'm very lucky that that's the life i've built but it's like it's fun being an entrepreneur it's like there's no rules like Mm. create the life you want to live yeah for sure how was it early on though with for example here in melbourne i don't know if it's the same in sydney or now especially living in the gold coast but there is a lot of i guess stigma we love talking about this and, and you might have heard it on one of our episodes but around this bubble right and you're now doing your own thing, which is great now that you've got this circle of people, mm. but it's only kind of just happened in the last yeah, year. Yeah. What about before that? Before you had that circle, was everyone as supportive as what you're saying? Or was it, why aren't you on the tools? Or, come on, mate, this isn't real. Like, COVID's going to piss off and eventually you're going to have to do something for real. Like, yeah, great ha- question, ha- how was that? Great question. So in Sydney, I felt like, you'd tell i'd tell someone what i'm doing with a good humor factor and the normal response would be like oh good luck with that which is okay yeah but then ever since moving to the gold coast everyone's like oh how can i help how can i get involved and just this shift in the people around me just opened my mind to what's possible i didn't realize when i was living in sydney that that wasn't well wasn't normal and it's nothing against it it's just the way i felt like i was brought up in this big city where all the people around me were either uni or yeah. tradies and then even like my mum's been one of the biggest people who have been like oh you need the security of a job go do this go to like be a tradie and it's like she defines success as like stability whereas yeah. and success around money whereas i'm like i define success by how many people i help and money is a byproduct and in the last two months i've made more money than i would in a year as a tradie anyway so Mm. i'm like it's not around the money but yeah ever since leaving sydney and moving to the gold coast i'm like wow there's people that really want to help and go like Mm. like the people i've met on the gold coast that have taken me in and mentored me for free and like helped me i can like i'll be forever in debt to these guys that help me out and it's just like it keeps happening though and i think it does come from the energy you give out to people as well. So many people are like, oh, they wouldn't help me. I won't help them. Where I've, yeah. I've like been chatting to people recently about the idea like, I'm just so happy to help people wherever I can at the maximum of my capacity. And even if that person doesn't re- return the favor, someone else will. And I feel like that's why opportunities like the one I spoke about at the start mm-hmm. where people come up to me and just things happen is because I'm like willing to just do acts of service or be kind and give someone the time of day to hear their story 
quite frequently and very consciously too like because it wasn't how I used to be like I used to be very in my own mind because I was in Sydney and anytime I told someone they'd be like good luck and so I'd turn into my shell more but yeah ever since moving to the Gold Coast I'm like oh wait there's people who will be happy when I succeed oh wait there's people who will help me succeed and yeah I had a big mindset shift I read in this book like around psychology and it was like if you're only happy when you succeed you've got one chance to be happy if you're happy when your five best friends around you really succeed, you've got five chances to be happy. If you're mm. happy when you see anybody succeed, you've got unlimited chances to be happy. And that kind of gave me this big mindset shift. That's a good so one. often in Australia with tall poppy syndrome, it's like, oh, my mate got this big promotion. Like, oh, I deserve that too. And it's like, well, even if you do, you can still be happy and celebrate other people around you. Success is unlimited success in this world. So, and there's unlimited happiness if you choose to view stuff like that. And that's what I feel like the group of people I'm around now is like. Like I can happily just share all my wins and they're like, epic, like how can we like get involved in the next step? How can we help it grow? And yeah, I just, I really hope everyone can find people around them to be like that at some stage in their yeah, life. I love it. I hope this doesn't sound like a negative question because we're all about positivity, but I like having open conversations. Yeah. So we find it in the industry that we work in, in podcasting, you can sometimes smell bullshit from a mile away of mm. people trying to make a quick dollar. They've got high profiles, they jam together, they're a duo, they make a podcast that last 10 episodes and they quit. In the mental health space, we've seen a lot of people come up and down with this whole idea, okay, I'm going to share a mental health story and go to schools and make heaps of money from it. But you can just tell it's not genuine. I'm just interested, like, do you see a lot of bullshit in this industry that doesn't last long? Or like, can you see through it when there's people who are not genuine and when the people that there are? I just feel like kind of like we touched on earlier, the consistency and the time it takes to be able to build relationships, to even get in and talk at schools to make money Mm. is a long haul that, Anyone who's willing enough to go that far, I think, has a genuine enough story and has a, you know, I mean, cares yeah, enough yeah. to tell their story. And that's the thing with the industry is, I real, I used to like kind of think there was competition and used to think like, oh, like I should be getting that gig, like. But it's like everybody hears a story differently. Mm. Someone might hear my workshop and love it, but then someone else might hate it. But then, and like vice versa with other speakers. So. And it's about the timing as well. Like someone might hate my workshop today, but see it in two months time when they're going through something and take something out of it. So I just think there's so much space to be educated by different people Mm. and have an open mind to that. And especially at schools, like you're getting the same teachers multiple times a day. And I get it all the time from teachers. They're like, oh, we tell them this stuff all the time, but it really makes a different hearing it from someone like you. Yeah. So I think everyone has a story to tell, but I just really think the mental health industry is so saturated with the negative side and like spotting the signs of depression anxiety which is so important but that's really facilitating the 20 percent who are struggling mm. my kind of mindset and philosophy around it all is let's build the 80 percent up to develop the skills so that 80 percent becomes 90 percent, and the skills that i teach are going to benefit the 20 percent anyway yeah so it's like i feel like i'm going for this more holistic approach and empowering people to develop really simple small skills and like I've had multiple schools say like, oh, are you nothing like this, this and this organization because yeah. they've come in and spoken about depression, anxiety, spotting the signs, suicide stories, and it's left the kids scarred and we don't have the resources to follow up with these kids. So I feel like I've tippy-toed my way into a niche that is quite free and I can just share my story, what works for me yeah. and not be a psychologist and have to come in and do the science and whatnot behind it. I just get to share, hey, this works for me and if you guys pick up some of those skills, amazing. If not and you've got better skills, I'm open-minded. Tell me about them. Yeah. I'd love to hear them. So yeah. it's like 
it's just a way like to, different way of thinking about it. As we come to an end, you don't have to give out a secret recipe, <laughs> but can you give us something that you would present to a school yeah. in terms of tool? So someone who might be struggling with a bit of anxiety, a bit of depression, What? because I know you're big on gratitude, mm. would love to hear what are some exercises and things that you give out for people to practice? Yeah, so the five values I talk about in my workshop I open by talking about this idea that I used to base my identity on my achievements are now based on values. And then I go on to talk about what are the values that I live by and encourage people to reflect what are the values you live by. And if you don't have any, maybe pick up some of mine. And I'll tell you right now that all these ones that I live by have changed my life profoundly in a positive way. So the first one I talk about is responsibility. Tell a few stories about the importance of responsibility and hopefully empower people to change their mind from the victim mindset to the hero mindset, which so many people are stuck in victim, blaming, having excuses. And I was like that too. But once you realize, hey, if I want to be the author of my story, I need to take some responsibility. Even when bad things happen, I need to react in a positive way and work out how I can make a solution, not dwell on the negative. So I start with responsibility. Then I go and talk about gratitude. Like gratitude changed my life. We can view the world in positive or negative ways and when you start to look throughout your day for positive things that happen every day, more positive things seem to happen. And you start to realize that certain things that you didn't realize are positive are yeah. happening all day. Yeah. So the thing I say to people to do is um, when you brush your teeth at night, look in the mirror and instead of just sitting there dwelling on, I don't know, whatever you're normally thinking about when you <laughs> brush your teeth, go, all right, for the next minute, I'm just going to think about what happened today. What are some positive things that happened today? And try and find three little things that went well. It might have been I had a good conversation with a mate. I had a good time kicking the footy today. Oh, I got to do a good gym session. I ate a meal that I really enjoyed. When you start to think back, now, oh, wait, there was a few pretty good things that happened today. You start to shift that mindset into a yeah. positive about appreciation, not expectation. And it's it comes back to, I really think depression has been created by capitalism. Like capitalism, basically all the marketing and media around us is promoting these band-aids to make you feel better, to escape. Mm. Oh, when you buy this new iPhone, that'll make you feel better. Oh, when you go on this holiday, you'll be having a great time. That'll make you feel better. We're trying to give band-aids to make people feel better for a tiny percentage of their life. It's like, how do we build the skills so that our baseline is happy and healthy? And that's through living with positive values. So the second one I talk about, yeah, is gratitude. Third thing I talk about is empathy, letting people understand, hey, we all have a completely different life. We've all been on a hell of a roller coaster that's different to everyone else's to get to this present moment. So why are we ever judging someone if they're behind or ahead of us? Because who knows like what they've gone through? Like I compare myself to podcasts who are bigger than mine and go, oh, I wish I was like that. But then I'm also like, I'm on page three of my podcast book, whereas people are on yeah. page, like you look at Joe, I was thinking about the other day, like Joe Rogan's podcast, he's done 1800 episodes yeah. over 10 years to get to where he is. To be the best in the world, it's like, do you have that much dedication in you? Not many people would. So it's like you can't compare your size to somebody else's when you're on a different journey to them. So, yeah, empathy. I talk about mindfulness and um, meditation and just encourage people to be curious. Look around, see what meditation could do for you. It's such a topical thing at the moment, Mm. meditation. But I just Mm. encourage people to do a bit of research and find a meditation that works for you. There's so many different types of meditation. Search on YouTube, guided meditation, or find one that works and just build a good relationship with your thoughts. You're going to be with them from the moment you're born to the moment you die. You may as well have a healthy relationship. It's like 80% of our thoughts are negative and we have up to 70,000 thoughts a day. So it's like, do you do the math? Do you want <laughs> yeah. to change that to an extra couple percent of positive? So yeah, I talk about mindfulness and the importance of, yeah, just being present. And then I finish with kindness. And I think kindness is something that, we don't get explained the science of kindness as kids enough. 
the science literally shows that kinder people are happier people. There's so much data to prove this. And we don't get told that when we do kind acts for other people, it releases serotonin and oxytocin in our brain, which are the happiness chemicals. Like, I wish I got taught that at school. And like, mm. we all know that it feels good to do good for other people. Yet we live in this world where it's like, oh, you're having a bad day. Go on this holiday. It makes you feel better. Oh, you're having a bad day. Buy this new iPhone. That'll make you feel better. Oh, you're having a bad day. Go to this cafe and buy a McDonald's cheeseburger to make you feel better. And it's all wrong. Once we realize that, hey, if you want to feel good, go and do something nice for somebody else. That'll actually change your vibration Mm. to be a more positive, happy, Mm. not this Band-Aid of marketing and all the best psychologists in the world are paid by corporations to build marketing to trick people into thinking, when you get this, then you'll be happy. It's all wrong. It's already there. But we just need to turn in and go like, what have I got that I'm grateful for? What can I do for others that'll make me feel good? And that's like what I base my life around now. And yeah, it's been very well received at schools, my workshops, and hopefully it continues to grow. And I'm just continually learning. I read new things and I add them to my workshop every day. Yeah, mate, it's it's been awesome just chatting with you today. It's great to finally connect. Yeah, it's awesome. How do um, people get involved with you if they want to connect with you or get you to a school or just get involved on social media? Yeah, I mean, my Instagram's just at Cooper Chapman. The Good Human Factory is just at The Good Human Factory. The website, thegoodhumanfactory.com if you want to learn more about my workshops. There's booking request forms and what else? I've got merchandise on thegoodhumanfactory.com which is, yeah, really cool. Just trying to spread messages yeah. through clothing and not just be like buy my stuff it's like hey wear this and it's got a message that's gonna make other people's yeah, lives yeah. better but yeah just socials i guess i'm sure you guys are leaving in the show notes yeah, absolutely. I, know, I, know, I, know the I know the drill i know the drill but <laughs> reach out i'm always open to having a chat if you've got a story you want to chat to me about or you want any advice around stuff i'll do my best to get back to you as quick as i can but yeah i appreciate jumping on guys i appreciate awesome. it cooper Dee, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And, of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And, of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, Dee? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.